Okay, quiet on the set, everybody. Stand by. Roll camera. Speed. Roll sound. Speed. Market. And cue talent. Hello and welcome to another edition of This Week in Production. I'm your host, Art Aldridge, and joining me once again, Tom Chartrand from Shoreline Digital Media. Welcome, Tom. Hey, Art. Good to see you or hear you. Thanks for having me back. Yes, you're welcome. I just got back to my studio. I had a sort of a, a last minute shoot, a little hectic, got you know, all the upper brass standing over my shoulder, fun, fun. but wrapped it, you know, <laughs> sat in an hour of traffic, got home. I actually just poured myself, I switched it up tonight, I poured myself a little bit of the Patron Estate, which is a Blanco that Ooh. they just came out with. What do you think of that? I've been dying to hear. I, I actually like it. It's it's not a typical Blanco. It's not like any uh, Reposado or Añejo that I've had. It's not very smoky, but it does have mm. a little bit of that burn. It's, it's very nice, though. Mm. I think you would probably like it chilled. I'm not drinking it chill, okay. but, but I think you would like, but I do hear you have a rock glass clinking. So what do you I do have a rock with a nice chilled ball in there. I'm drinking the old standby, Dr. Don Julio and Yeho. Nice. Nice. Haven't had that one for a while. I've been on the Mezcals and some of those Reposado double casks from uh, Don Julio, but I figured I'd go back and remind my palate about the original tequila I love. Well, in the, in the spirit <laughs> of, uh, of friendship, cheers to you. Cheers, Art. Even though my little mundane shoot today wasn't very exciting, every now and then you do get to work on a project that has a little more juice, a little more sizzle to it, something maybe uh, out of the ordinary. And I know you just right. wrapped up a very exciting project, and I think the audience would like to hear about it. So initially, give us sort of the the high overview of what the project was. Sure, sure. Yeah, it was a really interesting project and one that I was able to really get a little more creative on. I've, I've had a working relationship with uh, the Cape Symphony Orchestra. I'm, I'm based on Cape Cod and do a lot of uh, corporate work here, commercial work, as well as a lot of work with, with you and other partners. But um, they've been a client of mine for, gosh, 10 years maybe. And we were working on a, a promo piece for them earlier in the year. They're trying to you know, revive the audience attendance for symphony shows all over the country. It's, it's not a dying audience, but it's an older audience. And a lot of young people don't come out to shows anymore. So we, we did some shoots and shot a couple of shows early in the year and tried to put together a promo that would be a little more exciting that they could use on social media because it was something they haven't explored. And I had shown the conductor my, my aerial demo reel, and he came up with an idea. Um, they start their new season in September, and he's saw the stuff and he started thinking about Disney soaring and he's like would you be interested in doing a piece with us and I said yes of course and um, it sat there and about a month later I got a call and he had been talking to a composer that he had been working with a young uh, gentleman from Orlando and put together this idea of doing a piece that would be custom written to my aerials and it really intrigued me because, you know, the creative process, you know, usually starts with a script and well, what am I going to, what am I going to shoot? And he's like, I want you to do what you feel. Let's talk about it. And it, it worked itself out over the course of the summer. I had to have it done by August. So we had some, some deadlines in there with, with shoots, with conversations with the composer, a couple of different 
iterations of songs as he was writing his song. Um, and it was a really unique creative process. Just so I understand this, they were going to, you were basically going to fly your drone, edit a piece, hand it to them, they were going to score it to what you right. provided them? Well, that was the big question. It was one of those chicken and the egg sort of things. And we decided in talking about it that we would get a short treatment of what the composer was thinking. And it started with, he was looking at some Google images of Cape Cod. And he looked at a bunch of different ones. He had never been here before. And so he started, he put together a three minute MIDI of just a straight melody. I had told the symphony to save them a little bit of money. I had a bunch of aerials in my own archive. So I said, why don't we start with some of that? And they brought in another partner, which was a local conservation trust and brought them in to be involved in the process. And they suggested some areas around Cape Cod that were you know, ecologically important, some areas that, that they work with. So it began a big conversation. So I started with about 20 or 30% of the footage already in hand. So I cut a short video to his short theme, sent it back to him. And he was like, whoa, this is, this is amazing. And he wrote some more. And the composer, I mean, the conductor kind of stayed out of the creative process until we got to the very end. Uh, what became, a, what was started as a three-minute piece became a six-minute piece. And the goal was to have roughly an eight to 10-minute full-length composition that the symphony could perform live to my video playing on the screen. It just became a really interesting creative session when I would talk to the composer and figure out what shots, like we had shots of a local train that goes from Hyannis to Boston. And that went under a certain section of music that I heard that was really neat. And so I delved into my archives and I began to create a shot list based on what the conservation trust had come up with. And I kind of said, just to get it all in perspective, Let's do sort of a day in the life of Cape Cod. You want to show and celebrate the ecology and the environment and this precious you know, area we live in on the water. Let's show it from day to night. So we came up with the idea of shooting sunrise to sunset, and that gave me some direction. Where do I want to shoot geographically? How am I going to plan out my shoot days? Sunrises on the ocean and it sets on the bay. And that went a long way to sort of get my shot list going and as the different versions of music kept coming in, I could add to my edit. At the very end, the conductor came in and he's like, you know, I think maybe if you could make that transition on the, th on the third beat instead of the first beat. And so it was very, he didn't change any of my edits as far as the, the shot selection goes, but some of it was timing and how he thought the orchestra could work. It just was a really neat thing. So let me ask a couple of questions here. At what point did you have to prepare a budget for this job because it sounds like it it evolved and i'm just wondering you know if you submitted a budget and then it was like well it's going to be more time or more energy or more shoot days or whatever all of the above than i had right. budgeted for or did you not really submit a budget you just sort of agreed to do it and then you're like, well, we'll figure it out later. Or how was that part of the process laid out? Well, I had specced out that I wouldn't need more than three shoot days to get the f new footage that I would need to put in the project. And so my budget consisted of getting 
doing the shoot days. I build for that plus um, plus my uh, my archive edit footage. And what I did was I basically said I'm going to donate some of the edit time in exchange for tickets to the show. And we brought a group of of friends and local people that were friends with some business partners, and then in exchange as well for promotion and basically radio time and some newspaper time. So that was sort of a package that at that point I thought there's not I I don't know how you are where you where you are or other people that are listening, but as a creative person that that works you know all day long. I, I don't really promote myself all that much. I'm always busy. I'm really lucky when I start to begin to think, hmm, what's going on in two weeks? You know, the phone usually rings and, you know, I haven't gotten all that much into promoting myself. So I thought this might be a really good opportunity for people to see that I shoot drone, I'm licensed, this is part of my business. And so I got real active doing a press release, talking about what I was doing, um, sending it out to all the radio people that that, that we know. And so I saw the value in taking the time to sort of promote myself and get some interest and some talk going about, you know, this guy that's got a production company, but oh, wow, he also flies drone and does that. So um, in, in, in exchange for a three-day budget of shooting, I asked for the rest of that and their promotional. I got in the program. I was a partner. Um, and for me, that was worth it. And um, it was quite an event because we're just coming off the, the weekend that it premiered and sell out audiences, a lot of good feedback. And it was a, a really great experience. Now, would you say, and, and I don't know what part, because I, I didn't uh, exactly get the timeline in my head, but that you said mm-hmm. that he brought in the conservancy at a, maybe a point partially into production. And did that affect you know, how many days or how much time you had to put into it. Cause sometimes when, you know, especially I've done some work for not for profits and usually when they mm-hmm. get a donor or a, a, a benefactor coming in with money, usually the rules change. So, uh, right. that, how did that affect your, your timeline and your process? It didn't really touch me at all, which was a really nice thing because the conservancy their financial donation was the underwriting of the scoring of the piece. And they only submitted recommendations for areas of Cape Cod that they would like to see shot. Some of them were feasible, some of them were not. Um, One of them happened to be a, a farm, a beautiful farm in Falmouth, Massachusetts, but it was closed, nothing was growing. And, you know, so I went off book. And really a lot of what I shot was from my own experience shooting news back in the early 90s. I knew all these little crevices and nooks and back roads and left-hand turns that would bring me to these really scenic overlooks. So I kind of let that guide me as well as working in some of their suggestions that seemed to work with the piece. So that really didn't interfere after our initial discussion. Um, They seemed on board with what my vision was and uh, it, it felt really great to just be able to create something on the fly, make my days and, you know, submit a project that was really based on what I wanted to do. And, you know, we don't usually get to do that. (laughs) That's very true. Now, I've seen the piece and hopefully we'll be able to share it with the audience at some point on the uh, the show notes Mm. on thisweekinproduction.com. But I know sometimes, especially when I watch uh, videos on YouTube, different things, you do see you know, drones and, and sometimes people try to do too much 
with the drone. Like the entire video is a drone when sometimes it calls out for a static shot or a you know, ground-based shot or something not from the drone that's moving around. And I know this mm -hmm. was probably all aerial from the concept, but did you it ever was. feel like you needed something not from the drone to make it work? No, no. And in fact, the conductor at one point had brought that in halfway through saying, oh, maybe we should get some time lapses of flowers, uh, you know, uh, budding and things like that. And I kept going back to his initial concept of that soaring type of Disney ride from California. And so I interspersed a lot of, you know, ground level shots, things that rose from the water to the sky. Some of those pinpoint shots where you started in tight as a static and then pulled out to reveal. So I, I felt it was important to keep it all aerial because the name and the concept of it was soaring over the sound, sound being the sound of the music. And um, and I was really happy with that. And it, it kept things moving, the tempo changes. It, it was, there was nothing that really, I mean, it was meant to be an aerial view. And in, in the creative talk that we had, we wanted to show Cape Cod in a way that people don't see it. We interact with our environment every day. People go to the beach, people go to work. You see it from, you know, five to, to six and a half feet from your eye level. So we wanted to show how Cape Cod doesn't change the, the beauty of it from above while we're driving cars, running boats, you know, doing all that we do over the course of a day, the, the, the beauty that surrounds us. And so that's what I kind of kept in the back of my mind as, as I was shooting it. You know, we're always tempted to, to go sometimes <laughs> yes. into realms that you don't need to go to and try out things that, you know, don't always work. So you, you basically stuck with a plan, which is probably smart. Now I did, you know, it simplified it and it, and it made it more enjoyable, you know, knowing that, that, you know, the end concept was going to be what it was. It made it more enjoyable to just seek out these places. And it, it, it brought a little more creative inspiration into it. Now at, at any point during the projects, I know you said, you know, you budgeted for three days and then you were going to donate um, time and, and whatever. I mean, did at any point in this process, did you feel like, wow, this is really becoming like a, a time suck? <laughs> I, I will say that at the end of the project, there was a lot of tweaking and it just came down to the fact that they were finally, they, they don't get to rehearse live until say the last couple of weeks before the performance, everything's out there. They get sent the sheet music, they practice on their own. So at that point, there was a lot of tweaking going on and it wasn't the fact that it was a time suck. It was basically, you know, things had to change with how the orchestra could be conducted. And, you know, it, of course, it's a little bit tedious, but on, on the overall, you know, end result, it really worked out well. Yeah. And, and I, I think that when people see the piece, they'll have a better understanding of what you're talking about. And I do think sure, it was unique sure. and, and, and novel. Now, I've had the uh, opportunity over my career to work on several independent. I did one independent feature uh, for my friend Eric. Mm -hmm which we had a big screening right. and, a, and a public viewing. And I've done some other smaller 48 hour films where you have a public viewing component. Now, 99% right. of my work is not viewed in, in a public venue by masses. I mean, sometimes a commercial, but you're not usually part of that 
experience. When right. you're sitting in a Absolutely. theater with an audience, uh, there's a different emotion to watching your work and other people's reaction to it. I don't yes. know how often you've experienced that, but talk a little bit about that part of the process for you. It's been a couple times that I have. So I want to say eight years ago, the symphony had their 50th anniversary and I did quite a long piece for them celebrating the 50 years. We interviewed a lot of past benefactors and it became the first piece that they ever played during a concert performance that wasn't musical. And that to me kind of blew my mind. We had talked to three prior conductors and it was a really special piece. Um, and you know, like you, I, I got into this business and do what I do because I love being behind the lens, not in front of it. So, um, being called out or having that kind of, you know, promotion in front of 1400 people was a little bit uncomfortable. Um, but again, I took it as this is great promotion. We had a pre-concert talk with one of the, um, leaders of the of the orchestra who explained all the different pieces they were going to be playing and i got to go up and show the drone talk with the composer about our creative process and then we did a follow-up afterwards with some people that were still hanging around from the performance and did a post talk with the conductor so i thought this is a really great opportunity to you know speak about what i do get my name out there and contribute as well to you know a new audience that they're trying to bring in those are definitely things to look out for you know in whatever market you're in you know especially if you're in right you know a community whether it be filmmakers or just a community you live in i think it's very important right. to interact with that community and if you can become a resource or a um contributor to the good of that community, it, it's only going to go and help you uh, in your career. Absolutely. Like we're even looking, and I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing a link to you, looking forward to finding a way to not only, you know, forward the work of the symphony, but then also the different conservation trusts that are around the Cape, because, you know, it's so important to be aware of, you know, all these aquifers for your drinking water resources and, and erosion and just general awareness of, of just how, you know, the environment is impacted by weather change and seasonal uh, storms and things like that. So we're trying to find a way to take the piece and, and have it live a longer life to, to bring back some awareness. And so that, that was sort of a, a passion piece too. I mean, looking back now, obviously you had the the debut, the live part of it. And were you watching in the audience? I was the first night I was there. So I was in the audience. And, and again, we had a dozen friends with us that we brought out to dinner beforehand. And so we kind of made it a little, a little outing, which was, which was a nice thing uh, for, for a lot of them. Some of them had some local business ties. Some of them were good friends. Some of them were family who had never seen this type of work that I've done. So it was really, really neat to, to be there, to see the whole performance and then to see the work that I had been working on for three, four, five months uh, to a digital file being played live and, you know, a giant orchestra, 60, 70 members. Um, I don't know the exact number, but it was, a, it's a big orchestra and it was, it was kind of breathtaking. I know that uh, I am usually hypercritical of my work, especially when it's, you know, viewed <laughs> in a public arena and i always find probably things that people don't see or notice i always find little flaws mm -hmm. that get me kind of bummed out did you did you experience any of that watching it you know in that moment like oh my god i can't believe 
I absolutely did. There was one shot that I thought I had perfectly trimmed and there was a slight movement, you know, that I didn't want to be there. I'm sure nobody noticed it, you know, but it was like, oh, why did I do that? And it was the very first shot of the video. Um, and, you know, as always, you know, you, you see something, you wish that, oh, I wish the, the, the pedestal was up a little bit more. I wished I had laid back on that effect. But, you know, unfortunately, people don't see all those. I mean, I guess it is fortunate that they don't see all those little things that you pick on. So, you know, everybody seemed to love it. It was an overall, you know, really well accepted piece. Um, I can't remember just how many shots I had in it, but it was there was a lot in there. And what was different, too, is I'm used to you know, shots in a, a corporate piece or a 30 second commercial being three to five seconds. And the conductor wanted these meandering shots of 12 to 20 seconds for some of the, the stanzas in the piece. So that was really difficult for me to not want to put more shots in than they wanted. <laughs> Understood. Understood. Now, did yeah. you get to preview the video at, and it was an outdoor venue, correct? No, no, it was an indoor venue, a 1400 seat um, high school auditorium. Yeah, okay. high school uh, performing arts center. Okay, indoor venue. And then did mm -hmm. you get to preview the work on the, was it, a, I'm assuming it was projection? It was a laser projector. Um, and what they did have to do, so the, the screen came down and they couldn't bring it down all the way for the full 16 by nine master. So, because it would cover up half of the band. So they brought it up and I put a, a 2.35 crop on it, which broke my heart, but it ended up working in the venue and it worked for the overall visual of the orchestra and what they were doing. You masked the final edit um, to fit exactly. that 2.3. So you, you were basically losing you know, 15% top Correct. and bottom. And that was the another tedious part of it too, was adjusting some of the shots that needed to be adjusted for the crop. So so anyway, <laughs> did, that was did, a last did, minute did you get to screen it beforehand? Did you have to go back? Because sometimes when you're working with projectors, things look different mm -hmm. than they do on your, uh, you know, OLED or whatever you're using for a, a edit grade monitor so did you have to go did you get to preview it and then did you have to go back and fix anything i did i got to preview it it was essentially the night before at the dress rehearsal and i got to see it then that was when they first performed it live on the screen they had everything worked out with the the projector and the 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 q lab what was nice is it was they weren't playing a h264 they were playing a prores proxy master uh, so that played in the software that they projected in and it looked really good. Um, I was surprised because I had seen things in the past with a lesser projector and I was kind of worried about that. Uh, so it, it brought it out better than I expected. I had to make a couple of tweaks. I had to move two shots for some transitions they were working on with the orchestra. And I did do a little bit of color correction that had been washed out a bit. So there were some shots that I adjusted the the black levels and the highlights and moved some things around again, but nobody noticed it there. But I did when I was watching it. You said something interesting to me. They played a ProRes proxy file. Mm. Why ProRes Proxy and not ProRes LT or HQ or? That I'm not sure about. So there was a program they were using for display called QLab. I've never worked with it myself, but they said it only works with ProRes Proxy. Huh. I don't know if that was their preference. They weren't as familiar with the different flavors of ProRes. So um, that was what they, what they asked for. Um, 
and uh, it did it did look great, you know, on the on the projector. But it is it does take quite a hit as far as um, that goes. But I I played it next to an H two six four, and that was fine. I don't know if they had the ability to play back a ProRes LT. So you didn't have to go back and adjust the grade for the projector. Like after you watched that preview, you said, oh, you know, the color it holds, it's not washed right. out or it's not oversaturated or it's uh, Yes, exactly, flat. yeah. Million dollar question, because I know how okay. I would answer this. Did you show up on the premiere night with your laptop and a hard drive just in case? I did not. You did not. I did not. And it was only because I had seen where they were projecting from. I had sent them multiple copies by uh, MASV.io, Massive.io, and also Frame.io. So I knew that they had copies on flash drive and multiple computers there already. You're a very trusting so, soul. <laughs> I know the folks and I saw the setup. So I was comfortable with what they had. It premieres and it's all um, great. High fives and attaboys, two things come to my mind. So if you could do another one, if they said, hey, um, we want you to do this again, what would you do differently? Right. Hmm. What would I do differently? For this type of project, I would probably bump my rate up a little bit because, of course, more went into it than I initially thought. Um, How much more? Like, How do you evaluate? And I, I know... I know that I know there's not really you're just you have to do what you have to do at at the point you accept it. And I think that's that's the right thing to do. But at some point you were like, wow, this is this is a lot of effort going into this. Hope it pays off. Well, that's just it. And, and, And looking back, and I think part of that is the experience of going through the creative process and the tweaking process. So I think if you just built in some of those times where more gets asked, um, you know, to be aware of it, it makes it a little more worthwhile, but overall I was happy with, with the exposure, with, with the way it was received and, and with what it did and said for many agencies around the Cape, because I think it put my name in, in front of a lot of eyeballs. There's a lot of local benefactors, uh, you know, larger size companies for the area I live in that I think it gave me some kind of exposure that, that typically money can't buy. And, and that was a, that was a nice thing. So, and, and this is probably different for everybody. Everyone's got a different threshold, but let's say that you got all the accolades, you got all the press, the, you know, the attention in that little, uh, halo of the event. Right. Let's say that you didn't get any other benefit you got no additional work no one came to you and said hey i saw your piece i want to hire you it just Mm -hmm. you got the attaboys and you got the the promotion but it it didn't materialize into something tangible would it change your outlook on doing another one you know maybe not and i think a lot of that lies on the person doing it so i don't think that i could rest on my laurels and say well I had a great screening. Where is everybody? You know, I'm going to be following up with four or five people that gave me business cards that night, uh, following up, reminding them who I was, loving to meet them. 
And, you know, I think it's an ongoing process that, that we need to teach ourselves all the time is to that you do sort of have to market yourself. You do have to go to, say, you know, local chamber meetings, local business meetings, you know, be in the market a little bit. And so I think that sort of reinvigorated that importance to me with getting in front of people uh, because, you know, I do a lot of work with you. I'm on the road quite a bit. You know, I thought it was great to be back in the local market and seeing a lot of people. And, you know, so I think it does put the onus on the creator to to keep up with those contacts, reach out. One uh, conservancy that, that I was there with, I had done a big project for another one. There's multiple towns have multiple conservancies and they didn't know that I had worked on the other piece. So it was a great opportunity for me to say, yes, I did four videos for this other group and would love to talk more in depth with you about this later. And um, it, it spawned a potentially, you know, great project. So I feel good about that lead right there. And I made a couple of other contacts. So I think the, 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 the possibility of new contacts in these little things that you can do, cover your costs, uh, see the value in promotion. Um, I think that can all, you know, help your local business. Yeah. And I think everyone has to evaluate, you know, what the return on investment is for themselves. Mm -hmm. But but I think there's a, the bigger picture of, you know, in your case, you know, promoting some of these uh, conservancies and the causes and, and bringing attention to the local market that you're in and the issues that that local market has. And I think there's a benefit to that, that for you, probably it sounds like was not uh, just dictated by monetary compensation. Right. Right. I do hope that we can share it with the audience at some point in the near future. Maybe by the time this airs, maybe not. We're not sure. But Tom, congratulations on a great event and a nice job uh, producing the piece. And it's uh, it's a great thing, I think, to have on your your resume. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was a fun project. It was something that uh, was a was a, a, an interesting project to work on. And again, for creators as well, and I, I, this is, I'm going to jump off while you're trying to close. Um, one thing to think of while people are working on these kinds of things is the symphony owns the finished product. They don't own everything that I shot. And so the footage, the hours of footage that I may have shot that didn't make it in there, that's mine. So it can be used in other projects. And I think that's one thing to consider is all this all of your archives can be used in multiple projects depending on how you write up the contract with a client. That's probably another podcast discussion. <laughs> rights, yes. rights management. Exactly, exactly. Again, thanks for sharing your story. And if you're out there me. in the audience and you've got an exciting project that you finished or you're working on, I know I've got a couple of people who mentioned something to me in passing that we might have on the podcast, but you know, we'll we're happy to talk to anyone about their project. So reach out. You can email us at thisweekinproduction at gmail.com. You can also drop us a note on Skype at This Weekend Production. Thanks, Tom. We'll awesome. talk to you soon. All right. Thank you.